As a content warning, this episode contains discussion of suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, August 17th, the Should We Tell Them edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make another podcast that's called The Best Advice Show, and I'm dad to Noah, who is almost six, and Ami, who's almost three. We live in Detroit. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's 9, and Teddy, who's 6, and we live in Tokyo, Japan. Have you ever said that before? No. <laughs> what does that feel like? It's so weird. <laughs> We can't wait to hear more about your adventures, which we will get into in Triumphs and Fails. After that, when should you tell your kids about hard things? Is there a good way to bring up things that they don't encounter personally, but need to know about? When there's so much to talk about, what should you prioritize? We've got thoughts. Finally, if you're in the Slate Plus Club, we are going to hear about the whimsical, unique playgrounds Elizabeth and co. have encountered on their international travels. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. We bought our ticket and this man came up and spoke to us in Japanese. Very nice. We thought he was helping us. I now think that he was like, hi, the park closes, you know, in an hour. And we were like, great, great. Uh, Three children and two adults, you know. And then I I think as we were walking through the gate, he was like enthusiastically yelling at us. I like to believe he was like, well, you can use your ticket tomorrow, (laughs) you know. As a Slate Plus member, you'll get a whole bonus segment every week and all your favorite Slate podcasts ad-free. It's truly the best way to listen and the best way to support this show. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to do triumphs and fails in a second. We'll be right back. So, Elizabeth, I mean, where to begin? What- I know. <laughs> You're in a hotel. You're in Japan. What is going on? Okay, so I am going to wrap all of this up into this this nice little story about Teddy and a big triumph he has just to kind of illustrate how things how things are going and how I think in general the kids are like really overcoming and meeting some of these challenges. So we of course took some time to travel on the way out here, joined Jeff in a conference and when we got here um we're lucky in that the landing in Japan was sort of soft because since we are in the military, we we landed in Tokyo and then got taken to a base that is like an hour and a half or so outside of the city. And we're staying at like a, a very nice, they call it TLF, temporary living facility, which is kind of like a little house. This was in a tower, like an apartment. So, so a nice soft landing there. And while we were there, they have these two um, huge pools on base. One is outdoors and has this high diving board. And the other is an indoor natatorium that has this amazing um, climbing that you climb into the water. So we were really looking forward to the to the pool. Um, my kids are pretty good swimmers, but in order to use these fun swimmy accessories, you have to right. pass this swim test. And of course, Henry like does diving as his sport, so I wasn't worried about him. And Oliver had done the swim test, like swimming instruction in the Netherlands and then in Florida. But Teddy, we've always taken him swimming, but we have never 
like done formal instruction with him. He's a good swimmer, but he's kind of like small for six. <laughs> um, and so I just really wasn't sure. We have been to places like the YMCA before where you have to take a swim test to use the deep end of the pool. And he has just categorically never been interested. Like I do not want to take this swim test. I do not want to, to have any part of this. I will just hang out with mom and dad. But when we okay. got to this pool... He was so into <laughs> this diving board and this climbing wall that he is like, yeah. I'm taking this swim test. Hell yeah. Um, so we're like, okay, great. This will be fine. The swim test included jumping in the water without goggles. You have to have your head submerged, come out, tread water for a full minute, and then pull yourself mm. out of the pool and then swim a full length in a stroke. We had like 10 minutes before the lifeguard break when they were going to do, <laughs> do the test. I was like, here's how you tread water. You know, he's like, okay, he's okay, I'm gonna take this. And I said to him, like, listen, you might not pass this test. And that is that is totally fine. If you don't pass it, we will like work on it and you will definitely pass it before we leave here. And then every mm-hmm, time we come mm-hmm. back um to do anything mm-hmm. on base, you'll be able to use these pools. And he was pretty cool with that. He was like, Okay, but I, I want to try. I was like, Okay, great. So lifeguard break comes, uh, his brothers jump in, he jumps in, and when he's, like, treading water, he keeps putting his head back because he learned to, like, rescue, you know, do, like, a rescue float. And so his instinct when he gets tired is to, like, go on his back. But, of course, they want you to, like, actively tread water. So we're, like, shouting at him, like, get your head up, get your head up. And I'm thinking, like, please let these teens realize that he is fine. He is not going to drown. He's a, he's a great swimmer. We've been swimming in the ocean all summer. He somehow manages to do this despite us yelling, you know, get your head up. And I don't think he's ever treaded water like this and climbs out. But he is so winded that I'm like, oh, my gosh, he is not going to be able to swim this lap. So he he jumps in to swim the lap. His brothers actually go first, which was good. And as he is swimming this lap, the lifeguard is like has the, you know, is walking next to him, like with the buoy, clearly like this kid isn't going to make it. And somehow he makes it to the other end wow. and gets his little swim card. So just wow. to say that we are we are kind of <laughs> fighting tooth and nail to get each thing done. And, and the kids have just been, um, every moment that we think it's sort of like, oh, this isn't going to work out, we sort of pull wow. it out at the, at the end. So, yeah. That's such a fierce moment for him. Oh, my gosh. It was That's amazing. 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 Because he never wants to try stuff like that and uh of course the lifeguards made him feel so good they were like six is like the youngest that they've had he is not the youngest but six is the youngest they've had in the book and he's six so you know the lifeguard was like oh you're one of the youngest in the book and he's so excited every time he climbs to the top of the high dive the lifeguard will like you know look and ask to show his bracelet sort of like i can't believe you would have a bracelet and he's so excited to like raise his arm and (laughs) yeah i do that's amazing Congratulations. Thanks. What has been up with you guys? Well, I just came back from two weeks in New York, child free. Oh my gosh. It was great. Um, I got to see my friends. I got to see my sister. Just had a really good time. Very bittersweet because I hurt very badly for not living in New York anymore. Leaving was the biggest mistake I've ever made. Um, But it was good. Pending triumph or fail, I went to Cookies, which was my favorite children's clothing store in New York. It's massive, very specialized in uniforms. They have other clothes too. And they've got clothes for like babies and big kids, and it's huge. Nice. 
And I went and I bought Naima a box of school clothes and shipped it back here. So today's going to be our first day seeing each other since I've been back. And we'll see if I succeeded because (laughs) I, you know, I don't have the touch I once had when it came to picking out clothes for Naima. She's become a lot more independent. She's very serious about her clothing. So I'm hoping I got things that she'll like. I mean, do you think she'll appreciate it? She'll be grateful, but she will be like, uh, if I don't like this, I don't want to wear it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Do you have plans to go back to New York anytime soon? Not yet. Do you I'm, know how much you miss it? I'm trying to figure out. I don't know what it is, but I need to find some sort of professional opportunity that brings me out there every four or six weeks. You know, like I need a little gig in New York. So we'll see. I'm trying to figure some things out. It's hard yeah. to go back to those places that like you could see yourself having a life. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that every mm-hmm. time we spend time in Atlanta, like just the, yeah. the heartache of like, oh, what if we had just stayed here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like even though it's not reality, right? And we made choices for all these reasons, but it does just, there's a lot of like what ifs and ability to be like, think you know, like revamping your life in your head. Yeah. Um, which is, dangerous is not the right word but sometimes it does feel really like hurt like hurtful because you don't know how things would have i always remind myself like this would have changed so much that it's hard for me to predict what that would look like but i i every time i fly away from atlanta i feel that kind of like heartache like yeah so i feel you it's tough zach what about you well i think noah is pretty well out of she's she's I think I can safely say she's entirely out of wanting to hear kid songs. Nope, that's not true. She still asks for Elvin and the Chipmunks on occasion. But like we're we're pretty much out of the phase of, you know, Baby Shark and she's now interested in, you know, big anthemic um pop songs like uh, Party in the USA, we've listened to 50 times this week. Um Oh no. Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles, like uh, any of these songs that like are great at first, but you know, not after a million times, but, but regardless, I'm, I'm grateful to be here rather than, you know, ABCs though. Ami is in that phase. So regardless, um, Noah has just taken a keen interest in singing and, um, performing in the past. And now just in the last like couple of days, actually, she's like, she seems really interested in, in writing songs. So she's like freestyled a bit in the past, but now she's just like, in the car at home just like asking me to like what should i sing about and then we give her a subject you know trees your friends your breakfast um love and she'll just like sing like a ballad um like a really expressive song that is it's just the the, the greatest thing um and last night instead of having her tv time she asked instead if we could work on recording some songs in my studio where i record you know my podcast stuff including this show right now and so I was like, uh, yeah, this was, it was like the greatest request ever. It's like a, you know, it's like a, a professional baseball player, his son asking like if they can have a catch, like this is, I'm not a professional songwriter, but I can record things. Um, so it's like, I am, uh, so excited to be in the studio now. Last night was the first time she's recording. Um, she'll let me play guitar a little bit. Uh, we're listening back to it. We're, we're starting to listen to songs now, um, and I, I was 
explaining to her yesterday the difference between verses and choruses and how like most pop songs basically have those two things um and so now she's like listening to songs with a kind of interest in you know in structure in a new way um and so i'm trying not to do, put any pressure on her i'm I'm, I'm not but it is what a joy just to like watch her discover this new this new interest so cool have you have you let her play around at all i wonder if she'd like playing around with like um garage band or something too or we're I mean, I'm sure you have. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, so you, really, this this started yesterday, but yeah. I'm I'm gonna be very interested in how it develops, and I want to. I'll definitely encourage her. My parents Garage found is a good idea. Like one of those old school recorders, and gave it to the kids, and I, I, they just like loved that too. Like a cassette recorder. Like just a yeah. I mean, it was That's a, a good digital idea. Oh, wow. recorder, but you know, old, uh-huh. old but just basic, <laughs> yeah, basic, um, right? And they would record uh, others stuff but i wonder if something like that too that she could carry around and kind of keep little um, yeah you know she might just find that fun i'm not saying any of this will lead anywhere but it's like when no, of kids course. get into this i love to just like indulge and make this super fun and the same thing with garage band my kids just really enjoyed playing around with like how you can loop it and just add in mm-hmm. crazy instruments doing things um, right like more like yeah, a no, game so than fun. anything else but yeah um those might be some fun things I, I was gonna ask when you started like are you recording her because if this phase like she goes out of this phase and then doesn't want to sing again i find like the audio recordings of the kids to be in some ways like totally even more precious than the video recordings it it just really makes you focus on their their voices i don't know totally yes i'm recording i'm recording as much as i can and in fact ami's home sick right now and shira and i were just trying to get him to take a nap and he asked for the owl song which is the song noah recorded the other night so now he's just listening to that as he goes to sleep that is I mean, that is amazing. <laughs> Maybe we can hear the owl song right now. Um, here's the owl song. Ooh, the owl is my friend. I love you the merriest. I need a few and I want to be found. On that note, we're going to take another quick break. See you back here for our listener question. From the middle of dark, I am not. Oh, I need a mountain to live in for the rest of my life. All right, we're back. Let's hear today's listener question, which was posted to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. I was thinking about a recent episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting. The guest host, Lucy Lopez, talked about a family member saying Lucy shouldn't tell her kids about racist experiences. She said, in summary, I have to tell them this is the truth about how the world is. That led me to think, how do we make the choices about which truths to share with our kids and when? I know the answer isn't only to address the things my kids personally encounter, because that leaves a myopic and limited view of the world. But there are so many difficult things that are true. Racism, cancer, divorce, war, death of children, etc. How do you make decisions about which things to bring up with your kids before they encounter them in the wild? Which things do you not bring up until they affect your kid? Jamila, what do you think? So my daughter being 10, she encounters a lot in the wild. And oftentimes we have conversations based on things that she's heard something about. You know, she's caught a news story. Um, 
I remember one story that impacted her really profoundly last year was the suicide of this young woman. I can't think of her name, but she'd been like a pageant queen. She, I think, left her family a warning and jumped off the side of a building, you know, mm-hmm. and that was really difficult for Naima to hear about. She had a lot of questions about why someone would do something like that. Um, things like that I wouldn't necessarily bring to her. But there are things I want her to know about how the world works. I talked to her about the shooting of Megan mm-hmm. the Stallion. I felt like that was important to know. It was a big news story. And, you know, it was a way for us to have a conversation about misogyny and misogynoir and how black women are treated. You know, I... Do you remember what you said? Well, that this person who had been her friend and she got into an argument and he shot her. And he's been lying about it. And now there are all these people saying all these awful things about her online and they don't believe her. And part of the reason they don't believe her is because she's a black woman, a black woman, you know, and oftentimes when we're victims of violence, particularly violence at the hands of black men, people don't believe us. They don't want to believe us, you know. Um, And we talked extensively about that. Um, I think it's really about knowing what your child can handle. I don't make it a point of always talking to Naima about school shootings unless I think she's heard about them. You know, I know that that can create anxiety in her. I want her to feel safe in her classroom. And so I don't want her constantly thinking about domestic mm-hmm. terrorism, you know. Um, but since it has come on her radar, she's, you know, we have discussed it at some point. You know, she is aware that it happens, but it's not something that I would bring to her. I think you want to bring things to your child that they can handle and focus on, you know, the things that they need to know. Like, what are the things that are going to impact their experience? You know, like you have to talk to kids about racism. You have to talk to them about sexism because these are things they're going to encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I am interested by this letter writer saying, like, how do you talk about the things that you don't encounter? Because I guess that if you are out in the world, you see so many of these things, even when they're not happening to you. Mm -hmm. And so I think like from a young age, you can really start telling your kids a lot of these things, even just to plant the seed of kind of how the world works. I think kids ask a lot, you know, I'm just thinking like the amount of times we've talked about things like racism, classism, because we're driving through some place or we're walking through a city and we see someone who is homeless and the kids ask, right, questions. And it's like, well, this is a great opportunity to talk about poverty. This is a great opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about mental health and racial disparities. Like this is an opportunity for me to inform the kids that the world is not this cheery place, but we can do it in a really safe way because they don't feel threatened or, you know, harmed or scared at that moment. Like a lot of times when we have these conversations in the light of something that has happened, it takes on this very panicked that fight or flight having the conversation there I always think is like this isn't a great conversation my job in this moment as the parent is to make my kid feel safe but my job kind of the rest of the time when they feel safe is to be like listen the world is really complicated um, and I need you to know that and I do think what has happened is that by having a lot of these little conversations and making sure that like 
the books that we read are bringing these up. Like, I, I feel like the books I get from the library and the books I try to introduce the kids to, I try to make sure that they're also covering these topics, even if they're things that we you know, we've never talked about or they've never encountered or never seen because that's a great opportunity to talk about it and a jumping off point for when the kids see something and have a question like, hey, remember in this book, this happened. Oh, yeah. You know, and then I can say like, OK, why are they bringing this up? Like what what about that? Um, do we need to help kind of process? Because I think what happens is that if you if you aren't kind of always talking about this, one, you make the topics taboo and then it is uncomfortable to talk about versus saying like there are uncomfortable things that happen in the world and I want you to know that I'm here to explain it um, and I'm here to kind of help you through it and the world isn't always fair, right? We're going to be dealing with these things and what can we do um, to make things better when we can. We can't always, and that's uncomfortable. I also, if you have kids that are starting, and I even think like my six-year-old can listen to this. There's a podcast called The 10 News, and it really just breaks down the news to 10 little things that are happening. They are not always good things. Um, They certainly make things, it's upbeat. They make things um, not scary, but they do kind of bring these things up. And we listen to that. uh, We used to listen to it in the car. We'll see where we listen to it here. But a nice way to kind of to bring up those things that are happening, and sometimes things like school shootings and things are on there and a a great time to sort of say, hey, these things do happen in the world. And do you have questions? You know, here's something I can explain to you. But I think that it's sort of your job not to shelter your kids and to be making sure that if they are not encountering these things that you are at the very least talking about them. Yeah. What you just said, Liz, reminded me of something that someone commented to this question on on Facebook. Like I said, this is from the Slate Parenting Facebook group, which you can totally join if you're not a member already. Just just search Slate Parenting because um, there's really good responses to any question that's posed there. And, and we just kind of scratched the surface. But I wanted to read a couple answers because both of them, I think, are, are really wise. Listener Lisa said, my kid carpooled with me from the age of seven months and I listened to the news. So they heard just about everything. I did occasionally turn it off when the commentator gave a content warning. Now they're 15 and both a pretty savvy consumer of media and a well-informed citizen of the world. So I guess I err on the side of sharing a lot so we can discuss it. Um, And then Laura wrote, I tend to answer specifically what he's asking and then ask him open-ended questions to see how he thinks about something or what his ideas already are. Usually saves me from oversharing accidentally. A few tough ones I've also said to him that I can't answer for him right now because I need to think about how to explain it properly. It buys me time to think through how I want to answer, chat with my husband, friend, family about it to spitball ideas, and then get back to him. Um, I love both of these. I thought that last one, sorry, Zach, that last one is such a good point because I think sometimes as parents, we feel like when our kids come to us that we need to have all the answers. And on these topics, like nine times out of the 10, I don't have all the answers. I am kind of, you know, woefully unprepared for the conversation and uneducated on the conversation. And I think it is okay to say, like, hey, we need to look more into this, particularly as the kids get older and ask really good questions. I think as parents, it's okay for us to be like, that's such a great observation. And I actually don't know. Zach, you've got little kids. What sort of ugly stuff have Mm -hmm. you felt the need to talk to them about? Yeah, I mean, Noah and I have conversations about, and, and her mom, we all have, we all talk a lot about, I mean, death, sex, um, poverty, 
we live in Detroit and so we see people struggling all the time. So that you can't ignore that literally. Um, Ami's three hasn't noticed much, but no, we, we tend to be as open as we can with Noah. And it strikes me as a, another Facebook post spoke about, um, they write, I think it depends on the temperament of the kid. My oldest watches the news with me and asks about things. It doesn't keep him up at night. Some family members' kids have nightmares if they know too much, which is an interesting point. I mean, Noah doesn't seem to be affected to the point where it's giving her anxiety. But I wonder if if that is, I mean, that must be the case for for some kids who maybe are so sensitive, it's, it's hard for them to hear. But I don't know, maybe by telling them that that's like the only... Because I don't know. Well, I think your your approach might differ, but I'm going to tell you that you're not going to long-term help their anxiety by pretending it doesn't exist. Um, because these things are how the world works, and we can't not talk about them. Like, I, I often think, like, how much of the problems we're seeing now are a result of, like, a generation of let's not talk about it because it's not a problem for me. Um versus like being able to say, hey, I know you might not experience, but this is this is happening and you need to know it's happening because once you know it's happening, you'll see that it, you are experiencing it, uh, you know, particularly with, with things like racism, right? Like you just are on the, the better end of what's happening and you need to know that going forward. And even if that makes you uncomfortable, then let's talk about why it makes you uncomfortable. I guess I just don't see for any child now uh, the level certainly right like when we come talk about violence i have one that is very nervous about gun violence in particular and so that's oliver and so for oliver i i don't want him to be scared i want him to know what's happening and i want him to know the things we do to keep him safe and the things that you know the country needs to do and what we personally are doing um, so I may not just I may shield him from like descriptive details of things that have happened, but I don't think I'm helping him by making him think that it just doesn't happen in this world. hundred percent. This is a great topic and it's a topic that is going to come up again and again and one that um, we really appreciate your feedback on. So if you want to read what other listeners had to say or comment yourself, head over to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Join us. It's, it's an amazing community. Also, if you or anyone you know are in crisis, you can now contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline anytime. Just dial 988 or visit 988lifeline.org. And that's our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating interview, and tell your friends. If you have a question or topic you want to address, email us at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Zach Rosen. Thank you so much for listening.